We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 209. Thank you, everyone who is joining on the Facebook Live. Welcome. It is Super Bowl Sunday morning, and Scott and I were just talking with the people on the Facebook Live, all those bitter people out there who don't want to watch this Super Bowl because it's Eagles versus Patriots, two of the most hated teams in football. And Well, from New York, you're, you're one yeah. of those people who doesn't want to watch. You're a little baby, don't, don't want to watch because no, you No, I have no problem with win. the Eagles. That's the thing. Like, I want the Eagles to win. I will watch purely because I want the Eagles to win. And has mm-hmm. and I, I want to see the Patriots lose. I mean, that's that's the motivation for me watching it. And then, right, but you know, you're going to watch. Yeah, you're I'll watch. watch. Yeah. I'll watch. You'd watch if it was Jacksonville versus Minnesota. Right. I would watch I would watch any Super Bowl matchup. Yes. Yeah. But the what we were saying is is the you know, it's it's like the matchup for Giants fans is a nightmare because they hate the Eagles. And No, it's the, not. It's Giants a, it's fans still are a actually rooting Giants fans are rooting for the Patriots, I think. It's like it's like if we were Yankees fans when the Red want, Sox were in the World Series. They don't want to root for the Patriots. This is the point. They're they're forced to root for the Patriots. They don't want to. They don't want here's to root a, for the Patriots. Here's a scenario. Anybody uh, you you think wants to root for the Patriots, you're you're delusional. Here's a nightmare scenario for a Yankees fan World Series: Mets versus Red Sox. Who who would the Yankees fans be rooting for? I mean, 
you don't root for anybody. You just watch. <laughs> you, root, you root for the world to end. You and just, just watch go, the game. Game yep. seven, a million innings, nothing ever happens. Yeah, no, I think I, I have to root for the Mets in that scenario. I would 100% be, if, if I were to, uh, you put a gun to my head and you tell me you got to pick one team, I would pick the Mets every day. Right. Because, yeah. because yeah, I don't really it, care about the Mets. Mets have never been a threat to me. I've never had a problem with the Mets. It's Mets fans that have a problem with the Yankees. With, with Yankees fans and the Yankees, that they're like, they have this whole built up um, animosity towards the Yankees because they have been, you know, the Yankees for as long as they have, and the Mets have been the lowly Mets. The so Mets they, had that, they have something built up. It's not the Yankees fans against the Mets. The Mets had 2015. They went to the World Series in 15, and for like six months, they were New York's team in quotes. And that quickly changed when the Yankees then went on their run last year and the Mets are in a free fall. Like the Mets could finish in last place in their division next year. No one would be surprised. Ah, maybe they would be surprised because the Marlins are pretty trash, but they could finish second to last in their division and no one would be surprised. Yeah. I just don't, I got nothing against them. So, you know, if they do well, then like good for the, good for the little, little brother. Good, yeah. good job. Good job, buddy. It's, it's all condescending comments. Don't get me wrong. Every comment I would make would be completely condescending because, and that's how I would mean it. But, there's no threat to me. Well, the Never Super Bowl, it being the Super Bowl today, it's good. It's good for baseball fans because that's like the last barrier between yes. uh, the winter and then spring training starting. I know there's still basketball and hockey going on, but those go on for a long time. Football is coming to a close today. As we're talking, it's over. As people are listening to this on on iTunes or wherever it is, nothing standing in our way between Yankees pitchers and catches reporting, which is on February thirteenth. Yeah, it's crazy how fast this has come about. The the fact that spring training yeah. is, is like, you know, what today is uh, 10 days or today's nine days. Nine, nine days until pitchers and so catchers. So we're in single and digits until pitchers weeks, and catchers. That's amazing. Yeah, two weeks to the day until position players. Everyone will be in spring training. I love it. I absolutely love it. Except I, I all the free wait. agents who are unsigned. Right, which is, which is uh, <laughs> something we'll definitely talk about because there's a lot of people not very happy about that whole situation. Yeah. Um, Doesn't it no, seem it's, like it's just exciting. yesterday, though, that the Yankees playoff run came to an end? Yeah, it's, it was the whole offseason. Like it, it, while we were living in the moment, I think this happens every year. When you're living in the moment and you're looking at how, how slow it's going, especially this year when no movement happened with free agency or anything and really what was happening. I mean, the Yankees got Giancarlo Stan. That was like a huge thing, and, and which boom. helped. Like it was a busy offseason yeah. for the Yankees, a new manager and the NL MVP. Like, but in a, yeah, in nothing a, has happened for three, four weeks, but... For, in a broad in a broad stroke of baseball, though, there was not a lot of things no, happening. And, nothing. Um, so in the moment, you're like, yeah, this is slow, this is slow. But you look back, you're like, damn, that was fast. I think because, this has actually been a very interesting offseason for the Yankees because there's a lot of change. And the team was so uh, overachieved so much last year. Like, we, you could taste the World Series. That's how close they were. And then they kind of mixed things up they kind of are, are taking a different direction so i think this offseason while a lot maybe hasn't happened it's been very interesting well yeah i think you know when you see what happened last year and you you saw how they finished everybody has an anticipation of the yankees doing well coming into this year their expectations are a lot higher uh, but now that we have a new manager and a, a guy like Giancarlo stanton like now there's interesting things that are unknown too it's not just the same guys coming back and like okay let's build on that uh that um the ALCS, you know, this getting this close to the World Series. Now we have new guys and a superstar and a new manager with a personality. Like it's a it's a very different season now going into 2018. And and a lot of people, including us, didn't expect that much of a change to happen, obviously. 
but don't you think fans would have been okay if their approach this offseason was, we were so close, let's just build on the success we had last year. Let's yeah. bring everyone back. Let's bring Girardi back. He clearly, um, you know, for all his faults, got the team within one win of the World Series. I think a lot of people would have been just fine with that. I think people will still be, it would have been it would have been good because they would have given you know the um, the the fallback to bitch about Girardi still like that's that's everybody's yeah. safe zone to bitch about. So yeah. now we're all looking for that safe zone. Like where is that zone where we can bitch about things? Because we could definitely bitch about a new manager doing dumb things, but we don't know yeah. what they're going to be yet. <laughs> that's why it's, we have I'm to identify really those dumb things first. I, I, that's the thing. I'm really excited for the early parts of this season just to figure out all of Aaron Boone's in-game flaws, his quirks, all yeah. those things that are going to annoy the crap out of people. Yeah, like, we, we don't. We apart. don't know any of. We don't know any of that stuff. It will be our job to pick him apart and find those little intricacies that we can bitch about. Yeah, and that's actually one thing that for Boone, this is off topic, or I guess nothing's off topic at this point, but. <laughs> He's never managed a game, so he's he's on the job. He's learning. Like a big part of why they're bringing him in is for his clubhouse presence, how he can uh, speak to the players and and bring that clubhouse together on a personality level. But he's still going to have to make decisions in game, and he's never done that. So it's going to be trial by fire on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll be able to get some kind of uh, um, an idea of what he's doing also in spring training, just by yeah. the way he's talking, because. You know, there's going to be a ton of conversations with him and the media in spring training about the way he's going to manage certain games. So I think we'll get a, a pretty good idea of, you know, generally walking into the season, like his thoughts on certain aspects of the game. Because um, you know what, when beat reporters are down there, they're like, you know, they're searching for every possible story. And Boone's going to be a big deal, a big part of, you know, what they're looking for to, to figure him out, to find out. Uh, almost to see into the future to see how they can anticipate him, you know, working in certain situations. So I, I think spring training this year is actually one of the more interesting spring trainings too, because of we have all these new guys coming back um, that were rookies or, you know, second year guys that are kind of the leaders of the team now. And, and they're, you know, really in the fold, like cemented onto the roster. Those, those battles for positions are not there as they were last year. And then the new manager. So there's going to be a lot of different narratives, I think, walking into 2018 starting uh, opening day. Rank them in, I guess, the ones you're most interested in. Boone and how he's managing. Stanton and how he's coming in and fitting into the team. And then, I guess, just lump in Gleyber Torres and third base, second base, the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, well, I think to me the most interesting thing is going uh, is, is to be what happens in right field. I'm, I'm fascinated to see. So I guess they're both in tied with what Boone's going to do. But I want to yeah. know how Boone is going to handle right field because we have two massive human beings who are uh, MVP from last year and then the runner-up for the MVP that both have only played one position and it's the same position. How is that going to be handled? That's I really, really am very curious to know. I'm dying to know how he's going <laughs> to handle this. And that's a good segue to spring training and talking about the dates that we're going to be down there. We're going to be in Tampa March 23rd and 24th, which is the last home weekend. It's really the last weekend of spring training. So a lot of those things that we just talked about will be close to figured out by that point. Like the, yeah. It's going to be the tune-up, right? We're going to be at the, the, the Friday afternoon game against Boston and then the Saturday afternoon game against Toronto. I think you're going to see pretty much like opening day lineups in those games. Yeah, well, the um, the Saturday game is a split squad game, so we That's you know true. a lot of times they don't travel. I'm not even sure how far the 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 game is or the away game is. They're so playing Atlanta. I'm not sure where Atlanta's facility is, but you know, for split squad, the, Usually the veterans, the, the, many the veterans, travel. yeah, the veterans stay home. But it depends on on how far away 
uh, I think the game is too. But Do you remember th- late late in his career, Mariano wouldn't even go to a road spring training game, even if it wasn't sp- uh, squ- uh, split squad. He would only do home spring training. Yeah, when you're at that point, you're like, this is exactly <laughs> what's happening. Like, I'm not yeah. going on the bus. I'm not right. going on the bus. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. You know, he was like 40 years old. He's <laughs> like, right. I'm not going on that bus. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the 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 Friday game is versus Boston, and we're going to be in right field for that game. We actually are, are there's about eight of us. Um, we have two of those half moon tables out in right field, and there's a lot of like room you can hang out back there. So so definitely come over if you're at that Friday game and say what's up. Um, I think it's actually table three and four. I'll confirm that, but I, I do have the table itself. Um, but they're half moon tables in right field. Um, and it's more of like a just a casual area. And then obviously on Saturday, we have a, a big group going. We have about 32 people that they kind of came together at the last minute. Um, we're going to be up in the uh, the bullpen club, which is uh, the that second deck uh, overlooking the bullpen in right field. Um, and so, yeah, we have about 30 people that that, that came about that, uh, that, that bought tickets uh, with us. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to the, hanging out with everybody and uh, and catching a game with a lot of the listeners. Me too. It's going to be like a, a pregame to the main main events that we're doing in the regular season. Quickly, though, on that Saturday game. So before Scott and I figured out we're going to do this group ticket uh, deal, I had bought four tickets for us to go to that game. Uh, the Pinstripe Pass, which is standing room only, but it gets you a 12-ounce beer when, once you get into the stadium. Uh, those I still have those tickets, which obviously I have no use for. If someone is going to be in Tampa that weekend and wants to go to the game and wants those tickets, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Andrew underscore Rotondi. I'm selling them for 30 bucks each, which is actually a few bucks less than we paid for them. And if you go on StubHub and try and find a ticket for that game, the cheapest one I think was $34. So yeah, you know, it's a couple bucks off. You get in the stadium and, you know, we're going to be there too. So if you want to meet up, you know, we can at least uh, try and work out something where we where we come down and say hi and stuff like that. So again, <laughs> you will come down. We'll come down to the main level and say hello. No, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be hang out with the peasants. In the there's going to be a bunch of times where we're going to be walking around the yeah. stadium. We're and not the, be the standing room only. If ever, if anyone's worried about standing room only, I actually recommend standing room only for spring training. Yeah, because you get to go 360. You get uh, the catwalk goes 360 degrees around the stadium. It's sunny out. Hopefully, knock on wood, and. It's fun to just walk around, grab drinks at different locations, see what's going on. Because, like, remember the one year A-Rod was doing his workouts behind the stadium? Yeah, yeah we saw him. And like we could see it his from, from... Yeah. So, you know, you don't want... To, you're not necessarily glued to the action on the field for nine innings in a spring training game. So it's fun to walk around. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's 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 a social atmosphere for sure. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, the the Pinstripe Pass is actually a really good deal, too. Plus, I mean... I used to do the whole passback situation in college. You know what I'm saying? Like probably, probably could work something out. Uh, you know, we could be creative, <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a, uh, th- that's going to be a lot of fun. And then obviously leading up to the season events, we have six events and I'm just going to quickly go through these. We've mentioned them every single game or every single episode, uh, April 7th versus Baltimore. That's the first one, Saturday, one Oh five. Uh, start time, May 26th versus the angels. We're hoping for an Otani sighting. That's a Saturday, uh, 7-15 game, then June 29th versus Boston. That's the only Friday time, Friday game that we're doing the event. That's 7:05 start, uh, July 28th versus the Kansas City Royals. That's a Saturday, uh, August 11th versus Texas, and then September 15th versus Toronto. Uh, so those are later in the season. I told everybody that I would have the link up by today. Mud on my face because 
I didn't realize how much, how hard it is to get a hold of these people at the bars and, and like to pin them down and like hold them down and say, give us this deal. So um, we're working on it still. I, Andrew and I are both working on this in negotiations with these people to get us the absolute best deal because we want to, uh, to, to pay it forward as far as um, drinks for the pregame as well. So um, there is zero reason why we shouldn't have it this week, one way or another, one way or another, early in the week. Like, we're going to lock it down. I'm literally going to tackle these people and tell them to, to give us an answer. So um, look for that. I will send it out and plaster it everywhere. I apologize for it being so late, but uh, unfortunately, some things are out of our control. Yes. Um, so one thing we were talking about before we started recording was the baseball writers dinner from New York and the interesting comments that Stan had on Jose Fernandez and how he was pretty transparent saying they spoke and Fernandez was like, Hey, if it doesn't work out down here in Miami, I'm going to sign with the Yankees when I'm a free agent. And then I'm going to take you with me. You're going to come to the Yankees and we're going to, we're going to go be a wrecking crew up there in the Bronx. And it just was, I don't know how much truth there was to that. If Stanton was embellishing a little bit, maybe, you know, they, they casually mentioned the Yankees or if it was literally a set plan that they had, but it, it was just really interesting to see. Cause everyone was speculating. Jose Fernandez is going to be a Yankee when he's a free agent. Yeah. Turns out he was having the same conversations behind behind uh, the media's backs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's one of those one of those things when he starts talking about it, you get like goosebumps and like the hair start raising on. Uh, for me, at least, when he starts talking about that, it's 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 a it's a strange thing to hear. Um, obviously, given the circumstances, what happened to Jose Fernandez, but you know, thinking about how that conversations and and what what was going on in their minds. It's just crazy how they were talking about the Yankees as that that spot, as that landing spot. You know, those are two guys that that obviously wanted to be on the biggest stage and show that they could do it on the biggest stage. So that leads me to be very excited and happy about Stanton. I love the fact that he's still coming out with this openness and talking about everything. Like this is a guy, I didn't realize that he was as candid as he is. And I don't know if this is new or if he did show this in Miami no, it, or if this he is, did. It's just no, nobody like, no knew one, about it. Yeah. No that's what I'm saying. Listening. I don't know no if it's listening. New. I don't no know if it's new or not head. because I don't, I don't think anybody does because nobody heard anything from him because he was in Miami. Right. Um, but it's 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 refreshing to hear uh, you know a guy on on his level as far as superstardom in the game how transparent he is and how candid he is when he's talking about you know things in baseball. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun season uh, with with Stanton and and you know just even just him uh, talking to the media and and kind of going back and forth. I think it'll be uh, some things that we didn't expect. Do you remember his agent said that Stanton one day thought he was going to be a Yankee even after he signed that ridiculous thirteen year <clears throat> yeah, contract the, with the with the the Marlins? Yeah, because of the opt out, there were there were talks about that, or there was a conversation. Yeah, so I, look, the guy obviously wants to play on a, on a big stage. So here you go, buddy. You got your stage. Let's see what we can do here. So the Yankees invited twenty non roster, non forty man roster invitees to spring training. Uh, we are going to get to the whole threatening of a boycott, the players' situation. Uh, that's in a mailbag question coming up. Uh, but crossing our fingers that there is actually a spring training, uh, some guys that the Yankees invited uh, of note, Chance Adams, Dylan Tate, who are two right-handed pitching prospects. Obviously, everyone knows who Chance Adams is and what he did for the, uh, the mi- in the minor leagues last year. And everyone was calling for his name to get called up when they needed an extra starter last year. Cashman sort of said, you know, he's not ready. He could be ready this year. We could see him make a couple starts in the majors this season. And also Dylan Tate was part of that Beltron deal from Texas a couple years ago. Yeah, Dylan Tate's a guy that was a um he was, I think, drafted top five, right? He was he was way up there when he was drafted and he had really, really big um prospects. But people had a lot of uh a lot of expectations for him and it just didn't 
I don't know, work on early on. You, you hear about a whole bunch of stuff about him. Um, but what he has done since he's become, uh, since he's come to the Yankees, it seems like he's really turned it around and turned turned his focus on to being the best pitcher that he could be. And I'm excited about him, actually. He's one of my sleeper guys in the system because he's got all the ability in the world, and it seems like he's very motivated right now to prove that he's that guy. And uh, so I think the Yankees very well could have gotten a, an absolute steal with Dylan Tate. And he's one that we should definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch him in spring training and then follow him um, in the minors this year because I think he does have the ability and and definitely the talent to pitch in the major leagues and you know some some would say higher at, at a pretty pretty high level so i'm excited to see how he does yeah he's not on any of the big prospects uh, like he's not on the top 100 prospects we talked about those he used guys. to be though yeah at one point and that's sort of why texas gave up on him because yeah. he just he just fell off but but that's but see that's the perfect kind of trade that the Yankees were going for when they're giving up Beltron. They're not going to get a top prospect for Beltron, but they can get somebody who you can just say, this guy is all upside. If he works out, fantastic. If it doesn't, you know, we still got a, a prospect hauls from the Miller and Chapman deals. Classic Cashman right here. This is, uh, you know, looking at a guy with all the talent in the world who maybe is down a little bit, and there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, talk that he's, maybe his head's not in the game, maybe he doesn't want to be this, maybe his effort isn't there. A lot of this talk of off-the-field stuff, nothing about his talent, but everything about the off the field and maybe the desire, like those things are, are little triggers to say, well, like if this guy actually does, he still has the, the God-given ability and the talent to, to come and be a, a very good pitcher. So um, he took a, they took a chance on him, and obviously he's proving that he's, you know, he wants to be there. And uh, he, he had a really good year last year in the minors, so I'm excited to watch him. One of, the, one of the notes, I actually just noticed this when I was looking at this, but Brady Lale is on here. Didn't he get traded uh, last year at some point? Or he was released. He's been in the system before, and then I thought he was dealt. So I guess he's back as a non-roster player. Because um, they lost sure, him at some honest. point. I know they lost him at some point, maybe in Minnesota to that Minnesota deal. Um, but anyway, he was a, he's, he's a guy that we have seen before who is back. Yeah, and they, Justice Sheffield's going to be there as well. Uh, I think Sheffield's interesting because um, we might see him late in the season as a bullpen option. Yeah, I mean, we could see him before that. I mean... Look, he's going to be in AAA this year. He was, uh, or I, I assume he's going to start in AAA, but he's a guy that's that's been talked about. He got hurt a little bit at, uh, at the, in the Trenton season last year as well. So if he shows that he could do things in, in Scranton early on in the season, you know, we know how injuries can pop up in the rotation. That's a guy that could uh, that could that could show up. He he could pass over uh, Chance Adams. I think there's a, there's definitely a pecking order right now. Well, he's, but if he he's, shows. Sheffield on the top pipeline, top 100 is is a good amount higher than Adams. And like, right, but I'm talking those, about organizational pecking order. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, because Adams is probably more ready for the major leagues than than Sheffield at this point. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it's it's all about how he does, you know, in spring training and what he shows and how he shows that he's matured and and you know progressed through because he was in the Arizona Fall League as well. And and you know if he has some really good numbers in Scranton, you never know. Like like we said, we saw how Clint Frazier got you know, bolstered up and put into the major leagues because of injury. Don't put that past any of these guys. Like a, a lot of these guys are, are, are going to be ready, right, right in Scranton, ready to go if, uh, if they need them. Yeah. These non-roster invitees, this is a chance for them to just showcase what they've got. They're going to yeah. be playing against competition. They've never seen before. Um, major leaguers who they've never had that sort of competition before. Like look what Gla- uh, Glaber Torres did as a non-roster invitee last year. Yeah, he, he sort of put, he put himself on the map 
in spring trading. And that's what Adams, Tate, Sheffield, Estevan Floreal, a number of these other guys have the chance to do. They're not going to make the roster. It's not going to happen. They're probably going to get uh, option back down to the minor league spring training at some point in late February or early March. That's what usually happens. But you still get the two, three, four weeks of, of the taste of the major league spring training. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that's a big, you know, getting that, getting that experience in there. Another guy that is, uh, that's on that list is JP Fireeyes. And he was also one of the guys that was in the deal for, um, uh, in the Clint Frazier deal along with Sheffield yeah. and, uh, and, uh, you know, some of these other guys that came up, like I'm blinking on his name, who was on our show last year, Ben Heller, Ben Heller. Thank you. Uh, so Heller, Fireeyes and Clint Frazier and Justice Sheffield, like those guys are still all competing for major league spots. Like that's, that's impressive. The fact that these guys, the, the haul that we got, um, yeah. and they're all like right on the cusp of being major leaguers. I think Heller is right there to take that next level too. Cause he's got all the world. We've all seen the him in the majors. The he's made a couple, couple, uh, stints with the Yankees in the big leagues. And, I mean, he's just blocked by an insanely deep bullpen at this point. I feel like on a lot of different teams, he would be at the back end, not back end saying ninth inning, but like as the middle relief options on a lot of different teams. That's I think he's earned that at least at this point. But when you've got the six guys the Yankees trot out there on a nightly basis, it's like, well, shit, what am I going to do? You know, and when you look at the uh, the amount of relievers, also even going down into the minor leagues with with uh, with guys like Heller and even Fireisen. Fireisen is one of those big strikeout guys. Like he he put up some really impressive numbers uh, in the minor leagues when he was with the Cleveland organization as far as uh, strikeouts. And when you're looking at these guys, there's depth in that in that in that bullpen area too with 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 guys that can come in in relief. So. You know, this kind of goes into that conversation about Chad Green coming in as, as a starter. Like, there are just so many options I think that the Yankees have um, as far as depth that it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't expect Chad Green to come in as a starter any longer, but um, if something there's were to happen, no, there's been no word about it. We don't. There know. hasn't. And I don't so. know if you know a lot of this has to have, you know Boone has to have some kind of an input on it, right? I think a lot of this well, conversation that, came yeah, out that's... before Boone was even there. That's part of Boone, but I think that's more. Uh, that's also An a organization. larger organizational decision on what we're going to do with this guy going forward. Yeah, no, it's it's super interesting. Um, but there's there's a lot of options. Yeah, and then Warren as well is another one. Uh, Bobby well, Warren's Warren a guy who I think that. Warren's a guy who I still think that they can um, say in their minds, like if we really are desperate for a start, Adam Warren can be a starter if we need him to be. Not like maybe they don't want to have that long term, but if a guy needs to start next week, we can stretch him out and have that happen. Well, this is kind of what we talked about. We've talked about this before. And we're like, eh, if we're going to ruin somebody, like <laughs> yeah. kind of ruin Adam Warren, like he's the guy. But I don't even think we'll you okay ruin him because he's done it. Before. But I'm just saying, like, if there's a possibility of ruining somebody, let's make that right. guy be Adam Warren yeah. instead of it's Chad just, Green. Instead of Chad Green, yeah. Yeah, I, I know you said at the top of the show, like, oh, nothing has happened. There's been no signings or anything. But the Yankees I was talking just signed, in baseball. Yeah, but Yankees just signed Danny Espinosa, and if that doesn't get your blood pumping, I don't know what does. Yeah, I mean that guy. Talk about a talk about a beard and some facial hair. Like that dude, shave. he's gonna have to shave in the middle of the game. Like he's one of those guys <laughs> who who like shaves and then literally like five minutes later has you know the five o'clock shadow. He's a chia pet. The guy is like a ridiculous beard. <laughs> So um, I don't know how it's going to work out. I feel like he would be breaking rules in-game. Uh, Espinoza had the rare distinction of being released by three different teams last year. He was released by the Angels, and then a month later was released by the Mariners, and then a, a month later was released by the Tampa Rays. So that's impressive. That's the hat trick in baseball is just getting released by three different organizations in one season. And Tampa being the last one, like that's that's uh, that's yeah. When, when the Tampa Rays don't want you, you got to look yourself in the mirror and really have a reality check. 
Yeah, so this guy is, um, he signed a minor league deal with the Yankees. And yeah. look, I, I will be upset if he's on the roster personally. I don't want him on the roster. I don't want this guy to be there. I think there are better options. He is a zero, zero, zero upside bat. He's a hole in the order. We don't need those guys. He's the guy that will drive you insane. And if there are injuries, and let me tell you why I don't want him there. Because if there are injuries and if there's something happens, which there always is, and he's the guy that's going to come in and fill in for an extended period of time, we got Chris Carter all over again. All over again. No, no, because he's, he's better defense- I don't give yeah. a, I don't care about the glove. I don't care about the glove well, at that point. Well, th- but that was another reason we complained about Chris Carter is because not only didn't he keep his eyes open uh, at the plate when he was swinging at the ball, but he closed his eyes in the field too and made a couple of key errors. Yes, that, uh, there were a couple of key errors. So, but, but, but Espinosa is a defensive guy. It's actually the only reason he has value is his defense. But he's going to be coming in and playing at one position if there's an injury. I don't want that. I don't want is him to he be though, the guy. Like, uh, where is he on the depth chart? I mean, I, I lump him in with like... He's, he's nowhere right now. Jace, he's no, Jace right now, Peterson he's sort of signings. Like, Give me Jace Peterson. I want Jace no. Peterson over... over uh, I don't... See, I don't give Espinosa. a shit. You could have Jace Peterson and have him wear Danny Espinosa's jersey and no one would know the freaking difference because who cares? They're they're like innocuous nobody players. Like, Let me tell you It's just problem. a warm body. I just don't want another guy who's going to be swinging and missing. Again, I, I'm, I, I don't want that. I want... I want at least a guy like Jace Peterson can make contact with the ball, I think. How do you know that? How do you know that? Because I have more confidence in it. He didn't get released by the Rays last year as the last team. That's why. At least he was on a team. At least three teams didn't release him. At least he's not Dan Ugla 2.0. Uh, with the bat, like I just don't want any another guy who can hit a home run, maybe, but is is hitting well below the Mendoza line at a one seventy nine clip. Like, no, I don't want that guy. He belongs nowhere near the Yankees right now. I think you're you're drastically overestimating how much they're going to use Danny. Like Danny Espinosa over under ten games played for the Yankees this year. I don't think he's going to make the team personally. So exactly. So like Chris, you're, you're comparing well, no. him to Chris Carter last year. Chris Carter was brought in to I'm, be. I'm complaining like, about the possibility of my fear coming true. That's all I'm complaining about. Okay. I'm saying that I don't want this to be the case. I'm, sure. I'm, this is future me complaining now. That that he, if, like he that. Did, if he did make the team, this is what I'll be complaining about. Hey, but at listen. the same time, I don't expect it. You want to complain? By all means, complain. This is the place to do it. Like bitch and scream all you yeah. want. Like this is this is what this podcast is for. I can bat one seventy nine. Mm. Just saying. Like okay, fine. Maybe I can't bat one seventy nine. But if I'm batting like seventy nine, is it that much of a difference? <laughs> really? No, it's not. Uh, last time I checked, it's uh, carry the. Yeah, it's a hundred points. It's a hundred points. But at the end of the day, a lot of swings and misses. <laughs> A lot of swings and misses. I just think that what Cashman's doing with all these these guys is he's just he's just preparing for doomsday. Like if Glaber Torres comes in and sucks in spring training, and it's like, well, why did he just can't he just didn't develop, or maybe he's still dealing with the the surgery from last season, and then Miguel Anduar can't feel this position, like doomsday scenarios that none of us think is going to happen. But if it happens, they have guys who they're like. Okay, Danny Espinosa is going to play until we find a better option. But see, this is exactly what happened last year. This is the exact scenario what happened last year with Chris Carter. He was the doomsday situation guy. And what happened? No. Doomsday he was came. he was brought and, in to be more than that. Like and he was there to become a backup player and that's what Espinosa is here to be that's why he's brought in, right? To compete for the backup job, to compete for a utility job. That's why he's there. He's not there. But Chris Carter was start. signed to a major league contract last year. Danny Espinosa was a minor league contract. All right, I'll give it's you that. The difference. contracts were different in that sense. But at the end of the day, if they both make the roster, it's a similar position. It's a similar position in the sense that they will be there as a backup. And if someone were to go down, they would be one of the guys to fill in. And that's not Can- a good situation. 
we 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 spent hours upon hours last season talking about Chris Carter and complaining because it was him. unbearable and we had to. There's nothing like couldn't whatever for it. whatever reason. Brian Cashman had a hard on for Chris Carter. He just liked the the forty home run dinger power, but. Then he realized that, oh, everyone's hitting a lot of home runs. So Chris Carter is useless. Yes, he was completely useless. And the fact that he played baseball with his eyes closed was, was uh, something that I don't think they expected. Well, weren't expecting that when they signed him to that deal. Uh, speaking of Brian Cashman, this, is, this year marks his 20-year anniversary as Yankees GM. I love it. I have a t-shirt coming out for him. I have oh, do an, you? Uh, yeah, I'm working on it. I've been, it's kind of been a, a, a secret project of mine that I'm, I'm working on a nice little ode to Brian Cashman. Does I'm excited have, for it. I think it's going to be good. Does it have the Flames um, bandana that he wears when he uh, no. goes, goes uh, sky, skydiving? What does he do? He climbs he, he repels. He repels. repels. Yeah. So, no, I, while, while it was in consideration, there is going, going to be a, a picture or a caricature of Brian Cashman, but it will not be that one. Um, hey, random not, question for you. Yeah. How tall is Aaron Boone? Aaron Boone. I'd say 6'3". I'm, I'm looking it up right now. 6'2". Because I saw a picture from the baseball dinner of Boone next to Cashman. And Cashman, like, I, I thought he was like a little person. Yeah, and I was Cashman's like, oh, is, small. is Boone just like a, a giant? And we didn't realize. Like, is he, he's 6'2". Uh, but Cashman's got to be like 5'8". Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I always assumed that he was like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, he's, he's not a big guy. Yeah. He's, a, he's um, not, a, not a big guy. It doesn't matter though. He he uh, he he may be small in stature, but he he carries a lot of he's, weight. When he he's swings a big these, stick, when he's when he's making these uh, when he's making these trades. I mean, when Brian Cashman calls, record, you pick up the goddamn phone. Yeah, his trade record is phenomenal. And he was uh, on the Buster Only podcast this week, and he's sort of been doing his rounds, um, you know, interviewing and 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 that, those sort of things, talking about his twenty years as GM, and he. A couple things stood out me uh, for the interview. The first one being that he looked at what Theo Epstein did with the Red Sox in the mid two thousands, like leading up to their oh seven championship, and he realized the way the Yankees have been doing business: <clears throat> signing Jason Giambi, signing Carl Pavano, like signing all these free agents that just isn't aren't working out for them. Gonna have to revamp the farm system, and he briefly did that. If you look at what the Yankees did, like two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Phil Hughes, Jabba, Jabba Chamberlain, Ian Kennedy. That's when they brought up Brett Gardner. Manny Banuelos, the, they had the killer bees. Yeah, but that, but they also had guys like uh, Brett Gardner came up in that time frame. Yeah. Melky Cabrera, yep. uh, Robinson Cano was a couple years before that. But they, they were pulling from their farm system. It just so happened that Hughes, Kennedy, Jabba didn't work out. And that's sort of why they had to abandon the plan and then sign Sabathia, sign Burnett, sign Teixeira in that, before that 09 season. And it's just really interesting because... Yeah, that won them a championship, and the Yankees were very competitive through 2012. But then when it came crashing and burning, it came crashing and freaking burning. Well, I mean, I think at that, to- at that time in baseball, too, you saw a lot of these contracts being signed <clears throat> for, big, for bigger um, big names and big contracts. And, and, you know, towards the end of all those contracts, that's, that's when the, the shift started happening, I think, with GMs. And they're realizing that, hey, this is not a sustainable uh, avenue. This is not a way to conduct business in the long term that's sustainable for long, long-term success with an organization. And, and that's when, you know, the, um, you go back to the blueprint and you start looking at what happened, uh, you know, what Boston did early on to get those, those teams. What, what the Gene Michael and, and the Yankees did, you know, starting in 93, 94 and building the team to, you know, to start the, uh, the dynasty they had in, in 96. Like, you look at those blueprints and now you're seeing a lot more of that. Like, you're seeing a lot of these younger guys come up. You're seeing a lot more of a dynamic baseball than the long ball. 
all the, the steroids have a lot of a lot to do with I think the way that they were signing guys too because there was such a um, there was such a difference in tier right you had yeah. your superstars but your superstars were a lot better than everybody else like well, they were also better. lasting and there were a, a good amount time. of them and they, they were, were lasting were, a long time because they were lasting if there was a free agent and he was thirty one years old you're like I'm going to give him an eight year contract because he's putting up thirty five home runs in his thirty nine year old season yeah. because of steroids so right. it wasn't like now you're like I'm not sending a guy into his late thirties he's gonna he's gonna be terrible yeah no it's true and and I think that you know, because the offense was so prolific and they saw all these guys putting up such huge numbers that uh, people almost got, you know, the, the GMs got um, like blindsided basically into signing these contracts because at that point that was the norm, like that was happening. And then when the, you know, when all the implications came in and when they started banning people and they started like, you know, really cracking down on this, you're like, whoa, these are not lasting as long. This is, this is not a natural occurrence. Like this is not the way baseball is normally. So um, that's when that's when you're starting to see. I, I think all of that conversation honestly leads into very well what's happening right now. Thanks. I was just going to say that. Like you wanted, like players are saying, oh, it's collusion, it's collusion. I don't know if it's so much collusion as it's just these teams realizing that this isn't smart business. Yeah. And and maybe the problem is that they they um, the players don't make enough money uh, earlier in the career. Like Aaron Judge is going to make like 600, 700 grand this year, which is obviously a shit ton of money for any, any normal person. But if he's one of the top five players in the league, well, he's not being paid like it. Right. And then you've got guys like Jacoby Ellsbury who are a bottom tier player making top, top level money. So it's just all out of whack. So if the players want to actually boycott, I know this is getting uh, sort of down the line here but they need to figure that whole dynamic out it's it's not necessarily that there's collusion as much as i just think it's just a shift in business model well yeah and it's it's the uh it's almost coming back to the norm i mean it was so high at a point that that if you're if you're saying that it's collusion you're you're saying that that will well that was the normal like that was where it was supposed to be whereas like you think about it, like the stock market if things go up so high that at some point there's going to be some kind of a correct uh, you know a correction i think that's what we're seeing we're seeing the correction in in baseball and we're seeing how these contracts were so uh, you know so ridiculously inflated that they're they're just it's just coming back down to normal coming back to to where it should be and you know they're not going to be happy right now because the guys who are free agents currently are not taking advantage, you know, aren't getting the same deals that they were getting five, six years ago. And it just is what it is. I don't think there's a lot of collusion. Maybe collusion is a, is a, is the wrong word. I think, I think there are conversations between GMs and between ownership that of these guys, it's a boys club. They all talk and they're saying, look, you know, how are we supposed to sustain this? Like, are you losing money? What are you doing? How's your revenue going? Like, you know, those conversations are happening. There's no doubt about it. I don't call that collusion. No. You know, that's not like, okay, we're all going to not going to sign this guy to make right. a statement. Like, I don't think that's happening. I just think economics is happening. And then, and, and it's just, uh, the players aren't happy about it. Collusion implies malicious intent, and I don't think this is malicious intent by the owners and the GMs as much as it's just it's like like you just said like we're running a business here. Yep. Uh, you want to just I'm going to read uh, Tyler uh, Piot at T Piot fifty four his uh, Twitter question about the 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 whole situation we're talking about. Do you think the players are actually going to boycott spring training? There's been a lot of talk about that in the past couple of days, and uh, Brody Van Wagen Wagenen. Brody Van Wagenen, who is uh, part of the CAA, CAA, Sports. CAA Sports Group, sort of put out a statement or like a threat. I don't know what the hell it was on Friday on Twitter. Uh, but it, the the long and the short of it is just that the players are pissed off and they don't like the trends that they're seeing. There's over 100 free agents, like a lot of them big name guys who are still unsigned. And it's sort of like uh, a storm is brewing. 
right? I, like, I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's what people, that's, that's what the narrative is, at least on Twitter. Yeah. The, the a, narrative is that this is, this is something that's, that's circulating behind the scenes because the players, I don't know if any of the players have come out and, and gotten behind any of these statements. Have you heard of any of the players actually? Uh, yeah. Uh, Kenley Jansen uh, tweeted something. He's like, Oh, didn't he just gonna- get a deal. Yeah, he did, which is, is exactly what I was going to say. So Kenley Jansen tweeted like, oh, are we going to have to boycott question mark, like thinking emoji? And it's like, well, dude, you you just signed like a $60 million contract. You don't give a crap. Yeah. So the 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 guys who are coming up in, 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 the, um, in, the, in the news right now, and then obviously the CAA uh, representative is the one who issued that statement. You know who's more mad besides the players is the agents. The agents are real mad, and they have to kind of control that situation for the good of their own clients, for the good of their, you know, their companies and their agencies. They have to try to get out in front of this and say, "Hey, you know, we're not going to stand up for this. This isn't right." Like this is all just part of them saying, you know, taking a stand, saying this is not something that we are good with, and they have to do that because that's their job. So yeah, I'm sure there's chatter behind the scenes about this, uh, but this is a very agent-driven conversation right now. And I don't think any of the players, you know, if they start their own little camp, like I think that's something different. That's just guys trying to get ready for the season. And I think it'd be a really interesting story. And I still hope it happens. Um, But I don't think it's going to lead to a boycott. I don't see any of the players boycotting because there are way too many guys getting paid very well to say, hey, I'm going to boycott. Yeah, exactly. And if you boycott, what what's the end game? Like, if you're the Players Association and you're all the players, what are you trying to accomplish with a boycott? You can't just say, hey, we're boycotting, and then let's see, like, until you sign our players, because that's probably not going to happen unless you say, we are boycotting unless X, Y, and Z happens. What is X, Y, and Z? Sign my player. Sign you, Darvish, (laughs) who was terrible in the World Series. Sign sign him. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a stance right now that, they have zero ground. Like the owners are in all posi- in the in a strong position right now as far as what they're doing because all these guys are waiting. Like it's it's yeah. their deal. And also, uh, when the players went on strike in the mid '90s, fans sided with the players. I think if players go on strike now, I don't think they'd get as much fan support. Wait, you said player fans sided with the players in the '90s with when they with the strike? I believe so. Ah, uh, see, I I don't. I really don't agree with that. I think it was more against baseball in general because you're seeing a lot of people, even in the night, look at what the attendance was right after that. That's the reason they brought the steroids back because the, the, the fans didn't, didn't come back to the ballparks for a long time because of that strike. And then they started going, that, that's like one of the big reasons I think that Bud Selig allowed all this to happen is because they had to get butts in the seats again. Because what people see when a major league player, I don't care if a professional athlete, when a professional athlete goes out and says, I'm not getting paid enough. I'm striking because you're not paying me enough. It's a very, very hard thing for a fan to accept because yeah. of the amount of money. It's like when, who was it that said, I'm not getting, I can't feed my kids. Latrell Sprewell or somebody, uh, Tia or whomever. Someone was like, I can't feed my kids. Like, really? You're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. probably Antonio Cromartie because he has too many damn kids. Might have been Cromartie. But like when, when professional athletes start bitching and whining about how much money they're, they're making, you lose the fan right there. I'm sorry, you do. Because at that point, they're not thinking about, a rational fan is not thinking about how much money the owner is making no. uh, and how much money the player is making. Just like, all I want is my entertainment. You're getting paid millions of dollars. Shut up and go play. That's what the fan is saying. Yeah, of course. But, but I really think this time, the, for all those reasons you just said, a fan would say the average salary in Major League Baseball is like three point something million. Go fuck yourself, players, if you think you're not making enough money. 
Right. I mean, but that's the narrative across all of them. I mean, they're, they don't want, they're not getting these big contracts. And again, it's because the market and was, was set at such a high level and stayed there for a solid amount of time that that became the norm for negotiations. Like the bar got raised as far as the bottom line for negotiations with these agents. And now that bar is starting to go back down. The, so precedent is almost out the window because you're not, they're not signing the same guys for the same contracts. The true test, I really think, is going to be next offseason with Harper, Machado, if Kershaw opts out. Like these guys are, all of those guys are the tops at their position in the league. If they don't get the big money, well, then JD Martinez, you Darvish, Jake Arrieta have no shot at getting the big money. And that's, and that's part of the narrative as well is that, you know, a lot of that money is being, you know, stashed almost for these next guys because this year, the, the, the tier of free agency, the level of player, it's not it's not there. It's not like the very, very top guys. Like JD no. Martinez is the best guy. And you look at his numbers, he's got good numbers. But he's not a guy that that people are like You're um, not you're not breaking the you're not saying he's our centerpiece. You're not you're not building your next your ten years of a franchise around JD Martinez. So I just think also uh one thing that was pointed out was the uh I forget where I saw this, but You've got the soft cap, the, the luxury tax. That has not risen at the same rate as player salaries in general has risen. So if a team wants to stay under the tax threshold, they can't continue to pay multiple players 20, 25 million because that adds up quickly. So as much as 197 million sounds like a lot of money, it's actually not proportional to how much the top players in the league are making. No, I totally agree. It's out of whack. The whole market's out of whack right now, and that's, that's the biggest problem. Do you think, though, like, I really think that the, the players, if they go with a boycott, need to have a, uh, an end game. And I don't see what their end game is. The only way, like, they have their collective bargaining agreement that goes through 2021. They could say, let's rip that up and try and, like, organize a new one right now. But what are they going to go for? Like what, what do, what, what is their bargaining chip? I just don't see, that's why, again, I don't see why this boycott happening is because I don't see where the players are coming from on this other than they're just in a pissy mood because they're not getting all of their money that they thought they were going to get this off season. And, and that's it. You know, it's like, um, it's like your manager getting thrown out of a game. We talked about how we're going to see when Aaron Boone's going to get thrown out of a game to get the guy, to get the back of your, of the players. Like that's what the agents are doing right now. They're getting thrown out of the game. They're they're raising up for their for their clients, saying, "Hey, this is not acceptable. I will not, you know, I, we will not stand for this. We have to say something. We will not be silent." That's all that's happening right now. Nothing is going to happen in real life. Just a bunch of bunch of nonsense coming out in the media because they have to. It's their job. So they're they're right. There's no leg to stand on at this point. It would really suck for us if there's a spring training boycott, wouldn't it? I mean. As far as going to the game, I think we're we're positioned well because we're at the end of spring training. So I feel well, like I'm not talking be- about that. I'm just saying like <clears throat> we can only keep going with this podcast with literally nothing happen for so like eventually we're gonna need something's gonna need to happen. Players are gonna need to know, show that's, up at that's spring pretty, training. That's pretty. We're big. gonna need in, in your in your words, players are gonna need to be on fields throwing baseballs and catching things. Grown and men things. throwing baseballs. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I I need to see grown men throwing baseballs back and forth and hitting balls and doing. Um, you know the the dig it into the ground drill, and I need I need all of these things to happen. Yes, for for my for my equilibrium to be right because it's springtime is coming. Like I Groundhog's Day is spring. Everybody, I don't even know. Did he see a shadow? Did he not see a shadow? Isn't that not until later this month? I don't know. I thought it was maybe. I don't know. I thought it was last week, but it doesn't matter to me. The start of spring is when I see grown men throwing baseballs back and forth. And if I don't like when Yankees pitchers and catchers report, if I don't see pictures all over Twitter of grass and and the sun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like empty, like clean bases 
and right. uh, big bags of baseballs. That's ball, when you baseballs. know sunshine does exist. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, and I'm, I'm excited for that because we only have nine days. And that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, this goes hand in hand, I think. We, we talked about either last episode or the episode before about the pace of play rules and uh, the pitch clock and all that kind of stuff. So MLB has kind of come back and they said their newest uh, proposal to the players is no pitch clock in 2018. But if games are longer than two hours and 55 minutes, then an 18-second pitch clock will be instituted in 2019 with no runners on base. And then if games are still long, more than two hours and 50 minutes, then we're going to do a 20-second pitch clock in 2020 with for all the time. So runners on and runners not on. This is, I probably confused the shit out of you because there's like so many caveats here. Um, but the but the the uh, the player the. The MLB Association is kind of come back on their stance with this. And I really think that this whole play, pace of play is getting lumped in with the whole being pissy about free agent contracts. <laughs> it's, it's so the players, the players are like stomping their feet saying, no, we're not going to do this until you sign us sort of thing. So I think, I think the players are just pissed about other reasons more than this pitch clock thing. Because I, I honestly, as we said, it's a joke anyway. And, and like players can still finagle around it. I don't think it's a big deal. How literally, how utterly ridiculous is, is what they've put out there, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I confused myself when I read it. No, this is, let me, let me break it down in layman's terms. If the games are too long in, in eight, 2018, in 2019, we're going to implement a, uh, a 20 second clock or 18, 18 second 18. clock, 18 yep. second clock. Then if they're too long again, we're going to add two seconds and make it, uh, they're having a, no, an, an additional 20 second clock with runners on. Right. Like, so in so in in nineteen it would only be with no runners on, but in twenty it would be we'll make it another two seconds and no longer. Yeah, two seconds when the, longer when there's runners on. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's when so it's dumb. first and third and one out, it's actually a twenty-seven and a half second right. pitch clock, which is yes. good for Sonny Gray because that just so happens to be how long he was taking in between pitches last year. And it depends who's working that day because it depends who's you know how fast they start that clock. Yeah. You know, because what we can do is hire a guy that maybe has a slower trigger finger, like a slower on the thumb every half inning, every other half inning, so that when the Yankees are pitching and they're at home, like it takes another like 10 seconds to hit that button. It's I think the so. stupidest thing ever. Like, can we just, this is exactly like they're, it's a bitch fest back and forth. Like, oh yeah, well, we're going to add 13 seconds to the pitch clock and you can't take, you can take one foot out of the batter's box. You can only put your arm up to the umpire three times. If you talk to him and you say more than five words, you're going to get a warning. It's so stupid. Like all this shit is dumb as hell. Did you see also, they're talking about bringing bullpen carts in. So the, the, the relievers will be carted into the, into the mound instead of running. So, you know, we'll save an extra four seconds. Not if David Robertson's running, because if David Robertson's <laughs> yeah. running, he's not running that cart. Like, we just need them to, to, you know, pull a John Rocker and sprint out of the dugout every single time. Oh, like, who's the guy? A, if they timed that, that would be great. Like, you got to get to the mound in, like, 3.5 seconds or 5.5 seconds, whatever that is. Right. And, like, you just see guys busting ass out there. Well, Hamstrings the pulled, ankles twisted. <laughs> who was the tool bag who used to pitch for San Diego who would slide into um, into the mound when he came out? I don't remember. remember. Him? Yeah, uh, I remember somebody doing it, but I don't remember who it was. I, I believe he was with San Diego, and he might have signed with the Marlins, actually. If someone who's watching on Facebook right now can knows what I'm talking about, put the name in there. So he would slide it. into the bullpen? Or into no, he, the, would, he, would slide uh, he, he would slide in the infield. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> just like everything we're talking about is ridiculous. That's that's the thing. Like they're they're making this whole they're making everything about baseball right now 
uh, a, a joke when we're talking about these these rules and the well, it's like play. the, the play thing is a joke. The extra inning rules too that that we were looking up before yeah, for the all star like, game. For the all star game, you're gonna put which fine. It's the all star game. Like I don't want to sit there until two o'clock in the morning watching an all star game. To be completely honest with you, especially because now it doesn't even count for home field right. World Series. So like really, it, it is meaningless. Um, but they're talking about the putting like uh, what they tested in the minor leagues last year, where extra innings in the eleventh inning, you start a guy with a runner on second base. Yeah, and the All Star Game is uh, back to being a true exhibition game. So who cares what they do there? Like well, they can do all these things in the All Star Game and have gimmicks in the All Star Game, and that's fine. Yeah, thank you. Uh, whoever just uh, I lost the name Heath Bell. Heath Bell did that. Yeah, mm. I don't remember Heath Bell doing it. I remember. Somebody I don't know if he did it, it every time, but I remember him doing it at least like a couple times. And yeah, one time he left like a divot. Like you remember the divot CC left in Cleveland in the yeah. in the playoffs. Trying to catch a, a little pop up. Well, yeah. he he left the divot one time, and I think that's when he st- stopped doing it. Yeah, a couple people are saying Heath Bell. Um, so as we got sidetracked and talked about this whole boycott thing, we were talking about Brian Cashman. Um, so I want to get back to that. He cited the A Rod deal as one of the most memorable and best for the organization, which I think a lot of people might disagree on or have a different opinion on. But do you remember our segment from like the first season we did this podcast, three up, three down? Yeah. I want to do that with Cashman. Okay. Three up, meaning really great moves. Three down, really bad moves. Uh, so the first one I have for a really good move is signing Hideki Matsui. I think Hideki Matsui was one of the best free agent signings that Cashman ever made. Yeah, I mean, he made such an impact. You know, looking, you can look back on these with uh, with completely uh, with complete twenty twenty vision now. That's the beauty about looking back at careers and moves that have been in the past. When not only what, what Matsui did on the field and how clutch he was, like that's the the clutch gene in Matsui and um, how he fit well into that team and just like the whole persona of him coming over, he fit in so well with those teams uh, that that yeah, absolutely. Because there was a ton of hype around him as well, like Godzilla coming in. Like he was a very big player in Japan, and the fact that he came over and completely lived up to the expectations is a big deal because not many of those guys came in and actually lived up to them. I'd say, like, Dice K did in the first couple of years when he was there. Dice, oh, K, Dice was, K was the most infuriating pitcher to watch. He would throw 120 pitches in five innings, and it, it would be, like, 10-20 at night, and it would be the fifth inning, and you'd be like, yeah. are you kidding me, Dice K? But he, when he came over, nobody under, nobody knew what to make of him. Because gyro ball. You, you never saw the, the gyro ball, which is <laughs> such a crazy... But, the uh, you know, he was one of those guys that, that came over immediately and had a really good success. Um, but Matsui was a guy. He Matsui sustained success too. I think a lot of yep. people, if if they didn't, you know, follow Matsui after he left the Yankees, like he played for a lot of teams and played for a long time um, in the. Well, major he leagues. had a good season in Anaheim, and then he yeah. kind of faded out. I was actually disappointed the Yankees didn't. So the Yankees went after that 2009 season. They signed Nick Johnson to be their DH over Hideki Matsui, and that was a mistake. And I know they signed Nick Johnson because he could play some first base as well. Yeah. But Nick Johnson was a guy who was never healthy. And Matsui had another good year in Anaheim. And he was like a middle-over-the-order bat for them. Uh, I Seeing Matsui go definitely hurt. Um, the number two Nick uh, Johnson guy, was Nick Johnson was supposed to be the next Mattingly, by the way. He was like the guy right. who was supposed to come up and be Remember the his next mustache? Yankee, Remember the Nick Jones, Johnson mustache? Here we go talking about mustaches again, second podcast in a row. Yeah, but that one, it wasn't it wasn't like a, a staple on him. He that was short lived. He yeah, he was, was still uh, he was, he was so he was kind of ugly. And when he added the mustache <laughs> in, he was even uglier. So it's just Nick Johnson. Uh, he, he disappointed I, me. I thought he was going to be a good player from the beginning. I, I probably because I wanted it to happen so badly. Injuries. Yeah, he couldn't stay healthy. 
the next guy on this list who I think was a great signing and continues to be is Sabathia. Oh, yeah. He had a couple of down years, but when you look at the entire contract plus th- what whatever happens this year in 2018. Sabathia was the ace they signed him to be in 2009, led them to a World Series. He, I think, finished uh, with Cy Young votes in his first three seasons with the Yankees, won 19 games plus. He was everything the Yankees signed him to be, and now he's the team leader in that clubhouse. So a really, like, really good signing. Sabathia and still kind proving of, that, he can, that he can play. Yeah, like when you sign a free agent for that kind of money, you understand he's going to have uh, like down years in the end, but Sabathia has been able to reinvent himself the last yeah. couple seasons, and I think what he's done in the clubhouse also is part of why he's so valuable. Yeah, totally agree. And you know, I think that just that goes to the player that CC is. The fact that he that he has been able to kind of reinvent himself as a different type of pitcher um, is what when you look at when when everybody's looking back at his career and start talk, starts talking about CC Sabathia as a Hall of Famer or not a Hall of Famer I think one of the one of the conversations is you know the way that he transformed himself from being that dominant you know top of the uh, top of the rotation guy with with you know uh, high 90s stuff uh, then being a workhorse his entire career, and then now being the the leader that he is, working with with less of an arsenal, with less of like physical ability, but still pitching at a very high level. Um, I think that all that narrative is going to be going into to who he is and, and to his legacy because, you know, he has proved that he's um, he's been a, a positive force on this team for a long time. And the fact that he's reinventing himself, a lot of guys would have just given up and said, "Okay, yeah. I'm done. I'm not." I'm not I'm not the guy I was, and CC's like, no, nah, that's not me. I'm going to go out there and compete, and I think that's what drives him. It's like the absolute fire inside him, the competitor, um, and you see it when when they get into these little scuffles. Like the dude loves to compete and loves uh, to go out there on the big stage. And again, on on display last year when he went what nine and zero, ten and zero, when they were uh, coming off of a loss, like he was the stopper. He literally took Andy Pettit's role of what Andy Pettit did while he was in his prime with the Yankees and did exactly that. Like he was the stopgap or not the stopgap, but the stopper uh, to any losing streak. So I think Sabathia was a hall of famer. If you just look at his career through say 2012, but I think what he's been able to do, because 13 and 14 were down years for him. What he's done in 15, 16, 17, I think definitely puts him over the top for a hall of famer, because if you can have sort of, uh, a second act to your career like Sabathia yeah. is having, I think in voters' minds that st- that that goes a long way. It definitely does. It's definitely more fresh in your mind. You don't. You're not one of those guys that faded off and like that's your your prime was so far distant, right? Um, in their memory that yeah they don't have anything to to rely on. But yeah, I agree with you because you're also also you're hitting like different waves of fans, different waves yeah. of writers, different waves of people, and you're seeing this. So um, I and he's liked. Think- Sabathia is a likable guy, yeah. Which is also why Hall of Fame voting voting is bullshit because whether you're liked or not shouldn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer, but it does. That's the reality, and Sabathia is liked. Some will say that does not have anything to do with it, but if you're looking at it, it's hard to. I'm saying it does. It does have to do, but it shouldn't. No, I know that, but I'm telling you, um, what I'm saying is that a lot of the writers will will say that it doesn't. Oh, well, they're they're lying. They'll say, no, it doesn't. doesn't. None of that goes into it, but it does. It's well, like, wink, the, wink, it does. I'm not going down the Hall of Fame rabbit hole because it pisses <laughs> me off. Uh, the last uh, one of Cashman's top three moves, acquiring Didi Gregorius for Shane Green, replacing the legend of Derek Jeter. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. <clears throat> no, it was a ridiculous move. The fact that they got, it was a, the three-team swing uh, with the Diamondbacks and the Tigers and uh, Shane Green being the guy that the Yankees gave up. I mean, you see what he's done in like the worst possible situation for a player to come in, right? You're you're going behind a legend, and 
and how he's performed has been unbelievable. So yeah, Cashman has really found those gems lately. I think that's that's going to be you know if this continues and and hopefully this team is a uh, a championship team at some point, um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about how Cashman was able to find a lot of these gems and and turn them into something really good. And then if you're Cashman, you 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 say like he has so much confidence when acquiring players through the trade market or in recent years drafting, but he doesn't have that same track record with free agency. Yeah, Matsui and Sabathia were good, but look at what he did with Jacoby Ellsbury, and look at like he was the probably the worst contract signing of of Cashman's career. I think is yeah. Ellsbury. I agree with that. You know my feelings on that. I, I have a. I, I think that that was uh, one of the power ups or the higher ups coming down and saying you got to sign somebody and then. Well, that he was picked the, the wrong guy. He picked the wrong guy. And well, look what I, it's doing. Look what so, it's doing now. It's 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 handcuffing them now, which is it's not just Jacoby Ellsbury's lack of production on the field. It's also what he's uh, negatively impacting the roster maneuverability. What, what, what did uh, Cashman call it? Uh, we need the flexibility. flexibility to they have the flexibility to be flexible. No, they don't because Jacoby Ellsbury is not allowing them to be flexible. Well, the whole reason for that is that they could just dump him. And the, what he was saying is they have the flexibility to add contract flexibility if need be and that's okay. that's kind of saying that we can add somebody and dump his ass in, in in so many words but yeah no it was a it was a terrible signing and obviously that we all know that now so um and that will go part that will be part of his legacy like that signing will always be there and people will talk about that one um i am just of the of the um the the, the side that believes that that was once they once they realized that Canel was not going to take the deal I think the Steinbrenner said, "Go out and sign somebody. You got to, you got to replace him." And yeah. Jacoby Ellsbury was the really the guy. So. You might be right. Uh, Javier Vasquez twice, just because how bad he was in both stints, and like how good he was everywhere else, and how bad he was for the Yankees. Yeah, he was infuriating. <laughs> he was one of those guys that was just you know when you first get him, like he was he was very. I, I was excited because Javi he was Javier Vasquez was a guy that was a good pitcher. He was a really good pitcher. Yeah, and then. Just you know, he was uh, he was so freaking mediocre. That was it was really frustrating, and, and and that was in the time of like you see guys who were throwing high nineties, and it's like whoa, like these guys are coming in, and like this is going to be amazing. And now you see it, you know, twenty of those guys in, on a team now. Just, and it, giving it up the, the Damon Grand Slam, he gave up the Damon Grand Slam in two thousand four, which I think that was more. Uh, I put that more on Joe Torre for bringing in a starter instead of a reliever in that situation. But uh, like I'm never gonna. That was imprinted on my mind, which is why when they traded for him again in 2000, I think it was 2011. I was like, this guy. All I can picture is him giving up that grand slam to to Johnny Damon. I can't picture him any other way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once, last, once a memory like that is entrenched in your brain, it's 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 sealed. The last one, and Cashman's actually cited this as the most regrettable trade he's ever made, is trading away Mike Lowell in 1999. Yeah, I mean hindsight, right? I mean you're looking at guys who. Um, you, you know, at, at some point you trade them away and they're in the minor leagues and you don't know what they're going to be. And then they come to be a superstar and it bites you in the ass. I mean, he wasn't a superstar, but he was such a good player for such a long time and was such a, uh, a crucial guy on those, on those Red Sox teams um, that it directly came and back, bit them on the ass like immediately. And um, I actually wrote a blog about this like a year or two ago that the dominoes that fell, because if they kept Mike Lowell, Mike Lowell would have been the third baseman. They never would have acquired Aaron Boone in 2003. Mike Lowell wouldn't have been on the Marlins in 2003, which beat them. Then they wouldn't have had to trade for Alex Rodriguez in 2004. So who knows? Like, it's just like a lot of dominoes, a lot of uh, forks in the road after the Mike Lowell trade. What, so the uh, when the Red Sox traded for Mike Lowell, was that, that was part of the Hanley Ramirez deal, wasn't it? Yeah, that was 2006. 
Yeah, but that was that was part of. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's just interesting. Well, how, they got Josh Beckett. They got Josh Beckett and um, Mike Lowell for Hanley Ramirez. Right, and that was when Hanley Ramirez was like a superstar shortstop coming up. Well, he and, was a prospect. He was a total prospect. But but he had he was the number one prospect at that point. Yeah. It's just it's interesting how it all changed the dynamics and how Hanley went to. Uh, Florida had really good seasons, but the guys who were ready to make an impact on the on the level made such an immediate impact for the Red Sox. Pisses me off. I can <laughs> I can almost confidently say that if Brian Cashman didn't trade Michael Lowell in 1999, Aaron Boone is still, not Aaron Boone is not the manager right now. And did yeah uh, okay the Red Sox still might be and the uh, Red Sox don't win the World Series. I don't think the Red Sox win the World Series. I think there's a lot of things that happened. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I, close. You can it's make close, the but the Red Sox might not have won the World Series. I think in '04, and life would still be, you know, every, the, the equilibri- <laughs> equilibrium in baseball would still be good. All would still be right in the universe. Yeah, all would still be right. Now it's all screwed up. <clears throat> um, I saw a couple people mention Keigawa. That that was a complete disaster. As good of a signing out of Japan as Matsui was, Keigawa was the complete opposite. Um, but tweet us any else, any of the other ones that stick out in your mind, either the good or the bad for Brian Cashman. Uh, we do have mailbags coming up, but quickly, I want to talk about Carlos Beltran, who is on um, the R2C2 podcast, which uh, we've been talking about a lot recently, because I just find it fascinating what Sabathia is doing with this thing. We're, we're really getting into the mind and the personality of Sabathia, which is also, I think, why he was a great signing, because you, you kind of see what the, the type of person he is. Yeah. But but Beltran was talking about uh, how he really mentored Didi Gregorius after he came over and how he wasn't replacing Derek Jeter and how like trying to 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 um, not let him get overwhelmed by that. And he taught him how to hit left-handed pitching and he mentored Aaron Judge. I guess Girardi put his locker next to uh, Beltran's in, in spring training one year. So apparently we owe everything good that's happened to the Yankees the last year and a half to Carlos Beltran. Man, maybe maybe uh, we owe a little bit more to Girardi for having the the wherewithal to put those lockers next to each other. I mean, that's something right there. Well, that's a uh, well, little, little thing the, that, that gets lost in that hole. As the story goes... Girardi asked Beltran, who do you want me to put next to you? And Beltran said, judge. Ooh, interesting. That's really interesting. The, um, which, which also kind of um, now we get a little bit more information on why Cashman interviewed Beltran. Well, I mean, Beltran is, he's been obviously a big influence in such a short amount of time. Um, so we didn't influence. know the influence. I mean, no, we I'm, didn't. We're, I'm being sarcastic. I'm it. being sarcastic saying we owe all the good things to Carlos Beltran, but he, he obviously had an impact on Judge and Didi. Cashman obviously saw that and said, I, I want to interview him. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody's, everybody's known what a good baseball guy he is. Uh, but because he's you know behind the scenes, I'm saying, as far as like a baseball player, he's been good for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's what, what you don't hear about is the impact that he's had on players and in the clubhouse because he's such a soft-spoken guy. He doesn't come out and talk about it. Um, but you heard, I mean, we talked about this, I think, in the middle of the season, how when Beltran was, uh, who was he? He was talking with uh, Correa, I think, in the middle of the season at some point and 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 mentoring guys in season like having text message conversations with guys so like there's there's things about this uh you know when the wbc started and you get like the whole you know puerto rico side of it and like a lot of these guys are are getting together over the summer and in this and right before spring training um or in the middle of spring training with the guys from other teams but they're on the same team now because they're in the um they're on their their national national team you start you start getting different conversations but um, Beltran has such a, a an impact it seems like in so many avenues. I mean, he came up with the friar the friar jacket, the the friars <laughs> friar club, club jacket jackets for the for, for Monument, Monument Park. Park. 
Yeah. Like what? That was weird. When, That's still weird to me. When that knowledge bomb was dropped by who was it? Sterling or someone said? It. I thought I thought it was Sterling and uh, Susan Waldman talked about that. CC so, was the one who came so up with that idea. Take it with a grain of salt. If, if but, Sterling you know, and it's Susan like, are saying that's that's crazy. How how um, CC Sabathia is going to you know go up with this idea? He's like you know going up to Steinbrenner's office. Like I got an no, idea. You're saying Beltran. You keep saying CC, but it's oh sorry Beltran. I got an idea. I got an idea. <laughs> All the guys in Monument Park. Hint hint. Need yeah, to get exactly. a blazer with <laughs> like, the, uh, with an insignia on it, and anytime they come into NYY Steak to have dinner, gotta wear the jacket. Yeah, and but isn't that kind of desperate? Like Beltran saying, like, "Hey, hint, hint, wink, wink, give me." No, a he's not being desperate. He's just dropping. He's just you know doing in his subtle Beltran way, saying this is like a phenomenal idea, and when you think about these jackets, you will automatically think of Carlos Beltran. Is Beltran a Hall of Famer? Yes. Yeah, agree. Uh, before we get to mailbags, we are going to do a little something different with the ratings and reviews and podcasts. Do you want to? Do you want to explain it, or do you want me to, or maybe I'll, maybe I'll tackle it, and maybe you can fill in if I'm totally confusing people. So we've talked about the fact that we're going to um, read some more of these uh, reviews from iTunes on the show. So we are going to be doing that, and we're going to start doing that coming up next show. And uh, to incentivize you guys to go on there, and if you haven't. If you've been waiting around, waiting to to uh, leave us a review, hopefully it's a five star review. Um, we want you guys to to talk about the show, to talk about you know like why you like the show, or be funny, make fun of us, whatever you want. Just like be original in the comments. For for the most original comment or the best one, the the funniest one, however you want to say it, it doesn't have to be funny. Um, but we're going to be giving away a T shirt now every single week. We're going to go to the comments. It's basically going to be from. Um, you know, all intents and purposes, it'll be Sunday to Sunday, but just depending on when we can, when it shows up in iTunes and when we can see it, um, the, the, whatever shows up when we're recording through that next week, we will pick one and read it on air. And then we will, uh, just have you guys, whoever that person we pick, get in touch with us at Yankees podcast on Twitter, um, or Facebook, however you want to get in touch with us. And then we will send you a t-shirt. So we're going to have a competition basically for all you guys, uh, to, to leave us a review in iTunes and we will be giving away a t-shirt one a week. You did a great job. I don't think I need to add anything. And I will say this, we will, for the t-shirt, um, I haven't actually thought about this, but we'll do this. You can pick whatever t-shirt you want. What are any, any shirt that's on the fan shot? Um, you, you just tell me what shirt you want and, uh, we'll, we'll get it printed up and send it to you. Yeah, and, and also just a quick shout-out and thank you to everyone who's left a rating and review over the last two and a half, three years. As we say every week, it helps us out tremendously, and it is like the number one way you guys, other than listening to the show, it's the number one way you guys can help us grow the show because the more reviews, the more good ratings, positive ratings that are in iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and wherever it is you're listening, the more likely a new listener who's brand new to podcasts or brand new to this show are likely to listen and, and, and get it and download it. So Yeah, so do us do us a solid to start the season. We got what nine days now until spring training, eight days if we're uh if if we're talking about Monday. Go in there if you haven't reviewed us uh in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called, um, or wherever you listen to the show, because I know there's a bunch of places that people I don't know if all of them have review systems, but iTunes is definitely the best. Apple Podcast is definitely the best one that, that gets us noticed, and a lot of our downloads come from there. So please go in there if you've been waiting or haven't done it. Uh, just take a second and go and do that. And now we're incentivizing it, so you, you get listed into the competition, which is even better. You get a free T-shirt. And I got some really cool ones coming out, like really cool T-shirts. Yeah, so Cashman T-shirt, apparently. Cashman T-shirt. And he would be, be the only GM to have a T-shirt. I'm pretty confident in saying that. You don't think Billy Bean's got T-shirts? Your boy? 
That's a good. Know. That's a good point. Maybe what I should make an it? anti anti Billy Bean T shirt. What would be on it? Uh, like Hall of Fame with like Scott, an X through it. Scott Hatterberg. Scott Hatterberg. Yeah. <laughs> there, I'm sure there's some uh, there's some Moneyball shirts that. Yeah. Uh, so again, thank you to um, the first mailbag question, which was from Tyler about the the boycott and everything. The next one is from Ryan Finnegan at underscore Finnegan on Twitter. With third base being filled via free agency or trade, unlikely at this point. Who would you want to start at third? And what about second base? Maybe players that can play both positions that are already in the organization. I say Glaber Torres and Tyler Austin. So do you really think, though, like we're two weeks away from position players reporting to spring training. What percent chance do you give it that the Yankees sign somebody, not not uh, Espinosa, not <clears throat> Peterson, sign someone like Todd Frazier? I, mean, I still think it's a, a very good possibility. As far as percentages, I don't know, uh, 60%. It's, it's over 50-50, I think. I think it's even higher than that. I, I still think, like, the further this goes on, the, the more this drags out, the more to me it's such an... Uh, more of an obvious fit for Frazier, you know, at the bare minimum, that it's it's a good fit with the Yankees. Like he slots in immediately. It's it's a good fit for the Yankees too because he what slots in. What did you see? Well, Rosenthal was tweeting about the Mets' interest in Todd Frazier and Eduardo Nunez, and I thought it was really funny. He said, uh, per sources latest on Mets, Nunez Frazier currently leading infield choices. Uh, Team leery of getting used by Frazier if he prefers the Yankees. So I just I'm imagining like uh, Todd Frazier and his agent coming up with a scheme like, yeah, let's 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 leak it that we're going to go to the Mets just so we get the Yankees attention. It's like classic uh, girl ex-girlfriend trying to get the ex-boyfriend's attention. Yeah, uh, but that's the thing. Like, he's definitely going to have to use some leverage. All these guys are looking for leverage at some point. Like, <laughs> somewhere, can I find some leverage, please? Nobody's yeah. signing anybody. Let's go look for some leverage. Um, but I, you know, think about it. Like, this is a guy that obviously fits into the plans, fits into the into the uh, the clubhouse, fits into exactly what they're trying to do. It's it's still a no brainer to me. And, and the money is the way it's working out. Seems like it's going to fit. It could be like under. It could be seven, eight million at this point. Yeah. The, the, all the control right now is on the on the team. So all, all the power is on the team. And yeah. the fact that Todd Frazier knows what he's walking into with the New York Yankees and knows what you know that he's got the ability to have a very good year. Um, I don't know. It, you know, next year is uh, when people are missing out, saving their money, and they miss out some of these free agents. I feel like that's where the the money will be spent. And I, these guys got to see that. It's a perfect fit. I still think it's going to be Frazier. I'm also not ruling out the possibility that spring training starts and a lot of guys are still unsigned and then Cashman yeah. evaluates what the deal, what their situation is and then he gives Todd Frazier a call in late February. Yeah, that's dangerous though because you're, you're playing with um, – if he is in your plans, if he's in your plans and this is – you, you're not going to find out what you have two to three weeks into spring training. It's just – this I know, just doesn't happen. It could just be a second guess or, or – I'm just saying that if on February, what a uh, position players report on February 18th. I'm saying if on February 18th, Todd Frazier is not on the Yankees or someone else is not. I'm not saying it's a, it's a then a zero percent chance. Yeah. Oh no, no. I, I think I think a lot of these guys will will probably sign after uh, spring training starts. I think that's just kind of the nature. It's gonna it's gonna hold the fire to the owners. Uh, feet at that point because then they're walking in with maybe an an inexperienced player or um, you know the time. They're going to be competing against themselves at that point, right? So, like all of baseball, like these guys are still unsigned. Then there will be some kind of a, uh, you know, a time frame where they got to get them signed, or they'll be going somewhere else. So, at that point, like anything can happen. So Ryan also mentioned Tyler Austin as being a player that can play multiple multiple <clears throat> positions. He can play first base and outfield, but he, even in his minor league career, eight seasons in the minors, he only played thirty five games at third base. So I'm not I'm not 
I'm not really counting him as a third base option. No, but and also you can't really count him as a as a reliable option. Period. No. I mean, he's proved that he can't stay healthy, and, and unfortunately, that's 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 what is uh, his career has been as a Yankee so far. Like he's had opportunities to come in and step in. First base was his last year, and he couldn't stay healthy. So what um, is the saying? The best ability is the availability. And yeah, that's that's definitely. That's definitely the best ability, at least for first base last year. The 2017 <laughs> New York Yankees, if you were available, had a glove, could stand there, open your eyes, you were the guy. Right. And he couldn't do that. <laughs> That's sad. Um, what's up next? So the next one is from Cuyo Diaz, at Cuyo underscore Diaz. He says, do you think the Yankees should or, w- uh, should or will add a free agent lefty reliever like Tony Watson or Fernando Abad? Um, that's, that's, uh, I guess Cuyo's way of saying that he thinks the Yankees need a a lefty reliever in that bullpen. Well, the Yankees are definitely right-handed heavy in the bullpen other than Chapman, who's the closer and Shreve, who he's not a lock for the bullpen. He might be an up and down guy. D-Rob, Batances, Canley, Warren Green are all right-handed. So it is definitely right-handed heavy. That doesn't mean that's a bad thing because all all five of those right-handers are nasty and they can get left-handed batters out. In fact, Dellen Batances, in all intents and purposes, is a left-handed reliever because he is like twice as good against lefties as he is against righties. Right, and that's the thing. The uh, the Yankees have a lot of guys who throw right-handed who can get lefties out, and that's that's I think what's what's not when you're looking at like that who what with what hand they throw with. That's not taken into consideration with their their performances and, and their numbers against left-handed pitching. The whole lefty specialist thing was like really hot in the streets in the late '90s and the mid 2000s. But to get the big steroid of, guys out, yeah, like to get David Ortiz out, to get yeah. Barry Bonds out, like yeah. that. It just doesn't exist anymore. Well, what's his name? And, Mike and, Miller, uh, Mike. Myers. Mike Myers, thank you. Yeah. Austin he, Powers. He, he played with like every team possible every team. I think, in the in baseball. Dude, he, that's why when I forever. when back then I was saying all I'm gonna do if I have a son is just tie his yeah. right hand behind his back and teach him how to be a mediocre middle reliever. Yeah. He'll stick around in the majors for nineteen years. Yeah, Mike Stanton was there forever too. Like well, he, Mike Stanton he, was better than mediocre. No, but he played forever. Played forever. Yeah. You'll always have a job. Yes, always have a job. I said that it's going to be lefty middle reliever, or I'm going to I am going to teach my kid how to kick field goals. And that's um, a great job. Now, yeah, that's true. And no injuries from the from the beginning. Like fewer, he's going to be kicking field goals from the beginning. That's too much pressure. That that, that's a lot. That's that's a lot of pressure. Pressure's fine. It's the it's the fact that you have that. If you're doing it from from day one, you know, like he's going to be kicking like a little nerf football through my arms soon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is Tony Watson, Fernando Abad, or insert lefty reliever? Better than D-Rob, Batances, Canley, Warren, or Chad Green? No, the answer is no. So I don't think they're <laughs> going to sign them. Right. Uh, and if, if, uh, if they're worried about a lefty in the bullpen, like Jason Shreve is, is an option. And well, I, that's I, the thing. I, is, like, is he better than Jason? Are they better than Jason Shreve yeah, also? Hell no. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe. Pro- maybe. Maybe not. They cost more. They cost more, and um, it's, it's just an un- you don't know. Look, I just I just don't think it's a, a necessity at this point. I think that's you want to look at a, a deal where if the Yankees are in in, uh, in in a very good spot come the trade deadline, like that's a guy, someone someone like a, a middle of the road guy, lefty reliever, like that's a that's a, a button I could see Cashman pushing to like try to get that bullpen over the over the edge just a little bit more. Yeah, and if they ended up trading a guy like Robertson to clear uh, uh, um, payroll, then I could see them making a, a lefty signing like a Watson or a Bod. 
Right. But also, you know, they're also going to be looking into the minor leagues to see if somebody comes about because you see new guys coming out of the coming into the bullpen yeah. every year on every team. So and there they are have a lot, a lot of guys. Of guys like all, all the guys we mentioned at the top of the show, including Justice Sheffield, who I know is a starter, but if he has innings cap or something and he's an August or a September call up, he could just pitch out of the bullpen. Yeah. But like the, the guys who are waiting in the wings, uh, Holder, Heller, Sessa, they're all right handed as well. Right, there's a lot of left. There's a, a lot of right-handed um, arms still in the system. So yeah, left-handed pitching. I'd say if we're talking about depth and left-handed relievers, not one of the not one of the strong suits for the Yankees. Like, but who gives a, a shit? Common thing on every team. Yeah, like, let's all no one's flush with left-handed who relievers. Cares? No, it's not. Who cares? I think it's an interesting. As far as the depth, I don't. I don't need depth in left-handed middle relief. Just no. don't. Just don't need it. I go out and get somebody if need be. Uh, next up is a question from Owen, and he says, is Billy McKinney not getting enough credit? And uh, in case you missed it, Billy McKinney was on our podcast episode 206 a few weeks ago. Go listen. He was a fun fun guy to talk to. Uh, so I don't really – I don't think anybody's getting credit at this point. I'm, I guess there's – I don't see anybody getting dismissed. Uh, so I don't think the, these conversations have really started yet. You know, Going to Owen's question, like, is he not getting enough credit? Well, you know, th- nothing's happened yet. So <laughs> well, he came on at the end of the, you know, he had a good, a strong 2017, but you know, this guy's got to prove that he could do it more. He's often. also yeah, like, he's a, he's a big I was ability. going through the depth chart. He's like eighth or ninth on the outfield depth chart, just in the outfield. He's eighth or ninth. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't really mean much. I don't think it no. means much right now at all. No, he's going to get a full season at triple a, like he's, he's not had a full season at triple a yet. So this is going to be hasn't his had full- a full season. That's, well, that's true. Yeah. Not maybe, in a while. Yeah, not a while. So he's going to get a lot of chances in Scranton this year. And if he has a big season, he could get called up midseason if there's injuries or he could be a trade chip or, or, or whatever it may be. I think McKinney is an interesting piece because, to Owen's point, he's flying under the radar, but he, he, he was in the top 100 just a few years ago. Right. So he's so, got the talent. So to me, it's, it's McKinney and Tate. Those are the two guys I'm really watching uh, to see how they progress this this year in the minors, like I think those are two very big wild cards. Like the Yankees might have two very good players on their hands um, because of the the talent level in both of those guys. So definitely, if you're if you're kind of monitoring the the minor leagues on a on a very casual level, like keep an eye on Dylan Tate and keep an eye on what Billy McKinney's doing because those are two guys that have all the talent in the world as far as prospects go um, that could uh, that could really make a, a big step forward this year. Did I mention that he was on the podcast a few weeks ago, episode 206? I think you mentioned it, but it doesn't hurt to say it again. What's up next? So the next one is from Phil. He said, this is actually uh, from a few weeks ago. We've been kind of waiting to put this on, but it's at Phil P4 Elmer. So uh, for Palmer, Phil Palmer. It's kind of like it. Uh, Anyway, he says, uh, there has been more talk on the regular season series coming over to England in the near future. How would you feel if the Yankees came to London for a series? If you're for it, what matchup do you think would be good to grow the game here? So I assume Phil is living on the other side in uh, Other in side England. of the pond. Yeah. Yeah, so he actually sent me a link with this as well. And MLB has stated plans that in 2019 and 2020, they're going to play games in Asia to start the season, which they've done in the past where they've played in Australia and Japan. Um, and also Puerto Rico. That I know that's not Asia. But they've started season series uh, in other places. And also a regular season game will be played in England in June for both of those years. Doesn't say which teams it's going to be. I think the Yankees are a very good candidate. The Cubs are a good candidate. The Dodgers are a good candidate. Um, but if you think of it's the Yankees, it's going to be probably Yankees-Red Sox, right? 
So I don't know if they're going to, one, I don't think the Yankees or the Red Sox would give up the revenue from a Yankees-Red Sox game. No, you'd get the revenue. But the revenue that would be generated from a local game like that is different, especially it's also it's also tied to, you know, the surrounding area, too. Like they would be really doing their Well, their, the NFL compensates the dirty. teams. NFL compensates the teams that go over to London. So I'm assuming uh, baseball would do the same thing. I guess I just don't think it's going to be that. I don't think it's needed to be that big of a um, a series. I mean, you look at what the you look at what the NFL did and sending the Jaguars over there and like sending some teams that are just not that big of a deal. You know, they're they're almost trying to get in, increased fan bases for other teams. So if yeah. the Yankees were to go over there, I don't think they would be. They wouldn't. I don't think they would send two top tier teams over there. I think they would send the Yankees and then somebody else and then everybody would go over there to watch the Yankees. You know what I mean? So yeah. Like, well, that's you're, you're creating a fan base rather than uh, just. You know, for the Red Sox, I think it's too big of a, a matchup for for to, to move out of the states. Well, I don't think it, it can just be the Yankees, or it can just be the Cubs, or it can just be the Dodgers. But I don't think it can be Kansas City Royals versus uh, San Diego Padres because you're going to need to have one of the marquee franchises <clears throat> over there for someone who knows nothing about baseball to say, "Yeah, I'm going to go watch that." I, I but the Jaguars went over the there and they logo. sell out the game, and they and they have a huge crowd. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a. You know, for I think at that point, once when you're over there, it's a it's kind of a spectacle and an event, a, yeah, a, a one time thing. And I have a buddy who lives in London and went to those games, and he said it's just like it's super interesting to go because the crowd is so weird because it's quiet during the play because a lot of times I guess during soccer it's quiet during the play, so it's quiet during the play, and you look around and there's like eight thousand different jerseys on because right. nobody has a home team. Like even if you're a Dolphins fan. And you're just over there for work or whatever. You're going to go watch the Jaguars versus the Titans because yeah. you're just an NFL fan. Well, and then also if you're an NFL fan and living in London, like you don't have uh, a dog in the fight, right? So you're going to pick. You've picked, you've already picked a team, maybe, and you just have a bunch of people. And either that or the people are following players. So it's just a a, a big mix. So I, I actually don't think it matters as much what team you go over there. If they're going to send one marquee team over there, I think that would help. I think especially when you're looking at like what the Yankees would bring over there with like the likes of Judge and Stanton and what they could do off the field because they are always going around and doing like doing things off the field too in the media and like that would be a very big play for them over there. I just don't think they need to bring over two. I think that would be a almost a waste. You'd be blowing blowing too much in one series. Yeah, you'd get like a Judge and Stanton photo shoot at Stonehenge hitting like hitting baseballs out of there. Yeah, like some cool stuff like that. Like I think yeah. that would be an interesting thing. I just, you know, um, but I, I definitely think it's it's definitely in the cards. They're going to want to grow the fan base over there. I don't. Yeah, I, don't it's, it's I, would, I certainly wouldn't happening. mind it. I certainly wouldn't mind it. I mean, I don't know why. I could see why an NFL fan. It's like, well, you're taking one of our eight home games and putting it in London, yeah. but three of our eighty-two or eighty-one home games is not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem with it. You know, I think the pl- the the players. Well, I don't think they should bitch about it because I think it's just another market for them to actually, you know, uh, gain awareness and for to help their off the field. Stuff. Why would they bitch about it? Because of the travel. I think a lot okay, of guys. Okay, well, you're they, flying they from New travel. York to L- New York to L.A. is the same flight as New York. Yeah, to and England. I think they bitch about that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but again, do we rich do guys we, on private planes bitching? Also, yeah, exactly. Like, do we care about what they're bitching about? No, we don't. They're getting paid handsomely to do it. Um, okay, we have a final mailbag question from Bruce Main at Bruce the Main on Twitter. Okay, this might be a weird one, but name one player in the majors that you would just pick up and drop onto the Yankees if you could. Do not worry about salary or trades or any of that stuff. It's not weird at all. So I picked a pitcher. We each picked a pitcher and a hitter. For the pitcher, for 2018, 
I would like Corey Kluber on the Yankees. Okay. Um, People might be saying, well, why not Clayton Kershaw? Kershaw's the best pitcher in the game. Probably, but uh, I don't know. Something about Kluber being in the American League the last few years, what he's done in each of his Cy Young seasons. I just like Kluber's mentality, even though the Yankees beat him uh, in the playoffs. I'm not sure he was 100% healthy in those games. Okay, so I'm going to pick the best pitcher in the major leagues if this is what we're doing. I mean, this is like the the thing. I'm going to pick Clayton Kershaw. I would absolutely pick Clayton Kershaw to be on the team. The fact that he's a a lefty as well, I think, adds up nicely. This is all fantasy. I'll tell you one thing I'm surprised about, though. I'm surprised you didn't pick Madison Bumgarner. When did he didn't even pitch last year? Did he? Yeah, but Madison Bumgarner, like whenever you bitched about like a, a true ace and like that whole whenever that, yeah. that conversation of Tanaka and you're always crying about how Tanaka's not an ace, not a number one, blah 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 blah. Your guy was always Bumgarner. You would always yeah, that go was to the 2014, 2015 when yeah. Madison Bumgarner was pitching complete game shutouts in the playoffs every time. Well, you know he games up for those uh, for those big moments. I'm just yeah, surprised. I'd gladly I'm surprised take Mad Bum. I'd you gladly don't take Bum Mad Bum. Bum. So uh, as far as uh, if we're talking about a batter, and I think this might be a very real possibility. Maybe my my pick isn't true fantasy, but I want Manny Machado. That's the guy I want because I think he's the best, one of the probably one of, if not the top two, um, top third base, third base uh, in the field. And at the plate, I think he's a, a stud. And I know you talked about wanting to play shortstop, but he's a third baseman on the Yankees. So you'd say tough shit, Manny, or would you say Didi go over to go over to third? No, Didi is the Yankee shortstop. I'm not bringing somebody over to take his spot. That's not that's not how that's going to work. Well, I I pick Corey Seager uh, for the position player, and if if he wants to play shortstop, I'll move Didi over to third. And now the you're messing I, with dynamics. You're messing with dynamics. The here. reason I pick Seager over Machado because I was thinking Machado too is because Seager's a lefty hitter, and I okay. think uh, adding. Adding a lefty in between Stanton Sanchez, another lefty in between Stanton Sanchez and Judge uh, is nice for the lineup. Yeah. Not needed because we had that conversation a few weeks ago. Are the Yankees too right handed heavy? It's not needed, but it's nice. Yeah. Machado's just too much of a stud. Like he is. Of course. I think he goes under the radar as far as studs go with, with uh, the casual fan, but he is so freaking good. And the plays that he makes in the field are ridiculous. Yeah. Utter, like ridiculous. Well, what do you what do you honestly think about him wanting to play shortstop? I think it's a bad move for him. I think he should stay at third base. I think shortstops don't age as well in uh, in the field, and you can age better on the diamond at third base. Do you think he's saying, "Well, I'm looking at the year I'm going to be a free agent, and uh, there's no competition at shortstop, but there's competing with Josh Donaldson at third base." I think he's opening himself up to more options. Yeah, I think he's just saying, "I will play both. I can play both." So that makes him more of a desired figure, right? Like if somebody needs a shortstop and Manny's saying, "I could play shortstop," then okay, theoretically that's that's a good fit. If he's playing third base, okay, theoretically that's a good fit. So I mean. And you're looking at what he's doing for his market. He's expanding his market as a baseball player going into the hottest free agent market in recent times. So it's a good move on his part. It's, it, his agent probably is also like, hey, man, are you sure you don't want to play shortstop? We should probably tell everybody you want to play shortstop also. Right. So, yeah, I think it's a good move for him. But baseball-wise, like on the diamond, you age better as a third baseman in my opinion. Um, thanks everyone who submitted mailbag questions. If you want to do so, you can do it at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcasts. And also on Twitter and Facebook, I put out the call for mailbags every week. So, so keep an eye out for that as well. One quick final topic. It's a, a, a kind of a silly topic before we get out of here. It's Clint Frazier's cryptic tweets. And what do they mean? So on January 31st, he tweeted, just wait for it with like nine T's. What does that mean? <laughs> okay. So let's get something straight. All of these started 
um, after after that he realized he wasn't getting traded. Like it, I think his first tweet came out was um, was like right as uh, December twentieth. December twentieth. Hold every memory as you go. So there was one like just before, like right when the rumors of him were going in, right? And it was obviously like talking about uh, the potential of him getting traded. Yeah, but they really was... started when when Cole signed. Um, with uh, with Houston. When he got traded to Houston. Yeah, so yeah. on December 20th, this was like right during the Cole. Actually, no, it was Christmas week when the Cole rumors were really heating up because I remember we talked about it on the Christmas episode. So this hold every memory as you go was right before that. Yeah. And then January 10th, when Cole rumors to Astros were like, he was on the Astros, then he wasn't on the Astros. Uh, Fraser just uh, tweeted the shush emoji. Yeah, so basically like stop talking about it. I'm here. Like it's, you know, he's just, he's, Cliff Ray's just trying to get back into the into the um, into the spotlight again. You, the kid loves being in the spotlight, so he's tweeting out little things like that that are going to get attention. He likes the attention. And then after he wasn't traded, January twenty third, I'm looking forward to the challenge ahead of me, which is obvious. And right. then the just wait for it. What are we waiting for? Is what for I his impact. Know. I don't know people because he he also went after a couple of people who said he wasn't doing well. If you if you look at some of the people that he was he he was responding directly to people about yeah um, his his impact on the team. And he, I think I saw one tweet to him saying something like, did you not see my debut or something along those lines? Um, so he, look, the kid's confident. He's of the, in, the, in the age where you know, he's very comfortable on social media and has no problem talking on social media. And he's just saying little things. We've always said out there, that's fine. not a problem for us. Yeah. I got no problem with him. He's a confident guy. He should be confident. He's a professional athlete. He should be confident in his abilities. So he's going to go out there. He's saying, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. I'm going to show you that the Yankees didn't make a mistake. I'm going to show you that I am the player and uh, that I will be a long-term fixture on this team. And I hope he does. I hope he does. Uh, the only tweet I disagree with him on is back in November, he tweeted that Friends is the best TV show of all time, which I just cannot get behind. No, it's 100% not even close. That's to a, that actually, it's, it's, that's a, it's a chick show, right? It's not a bad show. Like I've seen plenty of episodes. They're not, it's not bad, but it's definitely a chick show. So something tells me that uh, his girl, Faith, has been making him binge watch Friends on Netflix in November, so, and he so got into was, it, which is there fine. There was like a there was a time when you were either in the Seinfeld camp or you were in the Friends camp. Like there was a time of of like who do you like? Where are you? And I felt like it said a lot about who you were, um, because I think when Friends was on TV, it was definitely more of like a chick show. And I think yeah. as it has progressed, it's become more of a, a more of a mainstream to everybody because it's. You know, it's it's aged uh, differently, I think, than what it was on at the time. So yeah. I think that the audience is, is changed a little bit. But at the time, like there were there were camps, and like I was cl- I was a Seinfeld guy, Seinfeld fan. Yeah, yeah. you well is Seinfeld. I still your, am. I mean, is, that is Seinfeld your number one then? Show of all time. Yeah, like not not like not like Breaking Bad drama, like comedy yeah. show. Oh, hundred percent. Like I I will watch Seinfeld if I, if Seinfeld is on TV and, and my TV is on, it's probably on. Yeah, I, I I honestly flip back and forth depending on the day between Seinfeld and The Office. The Office has been good, and the other one that I have been watching a lot of reruns lately, if it's on too, is uh, How I Met Your Mother. I think How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, is a that had a, that show. had a like I I've seen every episode as well. Like seasons one through four or five were great, and then the show got really bad. See, I never I never watched it live. I never saw it when it was on TV. I've always just I actually think I caught like the very end of it. Yeah. So I saw one of the last episodes in the last episode first, which was ass backwards. <laughs> but I think the um, spoiler alert: Doogie Howser's role, <laughs> Barney on the show, is, is yeah genius. It's such a great character. 
I, don't, I forget what season it is, but Nick Swisher makes, makes a guest appearance on the show. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. I definitely haven't seen all of them. So it's probably after the 2009 championship. Okay, it's a funny, it's a funny show. Yeah. All right, thank you everyone for joining the show and um, Super Bowl this afternoon. I know we already made our picks because this is going to air after the the um, after the Super Bowl is over. But uh, enjoy the game today, Scott. Yeah, go Eagles. I hope they win. I know a lot of Giants fans don't want them, but please, we just need the uh, we need the Patriots to, to not win. No comment. We'll talk to you guys later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.